Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So coming up in just a couple of minutes, obviously one of the great Georgia Bulldogs of all time, A.J. Green, legendary pro football wide receiver, announced his retirement yesterday. We'll have a special tribute I want to pay to him here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, let me begin with where we've been a lot over the course of the last several days, trying to figure out what's going on with Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin and the multiple interviews he's had for NFL offensive coordinator openings. What I said on yesterday's show was this, that when you look at Munk and how he's treated by Georgia fans, they obviously view him as a key component of Georgia's success the last couple of years. Sort of seems like NFL fans don't necessarily see Munk in the same way. It seems like a majority of Ravens fans wouldn't be that excited about Munkin necessarily being their offensive coordinator in comparison to other guys the Ravens might could hire and some of the other names. Uh, I'm talking about positions that are open in the NFL that have needed offensive coordinators. You haven't really seen Munkin emerge seemingly as a candidate those places. And so what we said on yesterday's show is, hey, maybe if Todd Munkin comes back for 2023, knowing that it seems like he has an interest in returning to the NFL. Maybe the thing that Georgia could give him, not more money necessarily, but maybe just a little bit more attention, maybe a little bit more credit. So therefore, he'd be more well-received by some of the NFL fans who have a potential of seeing their team hire him. Or Monk would be maybe more of a candidate for some of the other better offensive coordinator jobs that exist in the NFL that we said, hey, maybe Georgia could put a bigger spotlight on Todd Munkin in 2023 if he does return. But... There's also the flip side of that, which is is that Georgia in so many ways is kind of viewed as being this sort of football machine, and no player stands out from the pack compared to anybody else. They all kind of work together as seemingly an ensemble cast. A lot of the coaching staff, much the same way, where no one really gets the like the lion's share of credit for anything Georgia does. It's just sort of viewed to be this, as I said before, kind of this football machine that just sort of steamrolls down the tracks and uh, seemingly just sort of crushing everything in its wake and so therefore it might just not be in Georgia's cultural program DNA to put a spotlight on a guy like Munkin even though we believe around here that Munkin has been instrumental in upgrading the Georgia offense in a way that has allowed it to win back-to-back national championships but if, if Munkin comes back for next season, Georgia just might not be in the kind of position to say, yeah, boy, Todd Munkin, he's great. Todd Munkin has special influence on Georgia's success. That just, not, that just might not be what Georgia's necessarily all about. And same thing when it comes to giving Todd Munkin way more money either. You have to at least consider this as a possibility. In, in, in fact, the most outspoken person around the SEC media landscape, Paul Feinbaum, weighed in on this topic yesterday. And What I'm about to play for you has the appearance of being a little bit of a hot take, and maybe that's all this is. But on the flip side of this, I think when you listen to Paul Feinbaum suggest that Kirby Smart might be willing to actually just let Todd Munkin go if that's what Munkin wants to do, I think you have to at least consider the possibility that this might be true. This is Paul Feinbaum on Todd Munkin from Feinbaum's radio show yesterday. Take a listen to this. I think the answer is pretty obvious. If uh, Todd Munkin wants to keep uh, interviewing with the Tampa Bay Bucks, Kirby Smart's probably content to let him go. Don't forget, they have Bobo in the wings, and Kirby Smart, I don't think, is say, well, B, if you want to, you want to, if you want to go to the NFL, go to the NFL. Uh, there aren't that many college uh, assistant coaches that 
that are worth $3 million a year. So I think there's a lot to unpack there on that. And the other day, somebody weighed in. I think I mentioned this as a part of our podcast cool down. That's the comments that we read at the end of the podcast, the audio show. Each and every day we do a version of that on video, a different version of that on audio. And I, uh, somebody asked the other day, hey, B.A., do you think that all this Todd Monk and stuff is a distraction for George? And I said at the time, no, I really don't think it's a distraction. George is still many, many weeks ahead of the start of spring practice. It doesn't seem like Munkin's status one way or another is having that big of an impact on George's recruiting efforts. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of the recruits that have considered George are considering Georgia no matter what, whether Munkin is here or not. Uh, obviously, Dylan Rayola told Jeff Sintel uh, yesterday in, dog, in a story at dognation.com that he'd be watching the Munkin story closely, but that doesn't mean that he'd stop considering Georgia if uh, Munkin were no longer here anymore. don't have any really indication of that whatsoever. So I've been of the belief that whatever Munkin chooses to do over the course of the next few days and whatever you know, Georgia chooses to do in response to that isn't really a distraction. There's not really any business of football going on. Right now, this is Scott Sinclair's time to shine. He's working with these guys in the weight room. They're getting stronger. They're getting in better condition. This is that sort of early phase of the calendar year, well ahead of the start of any actual practices. And so whatever Munkin chooses to do or not, I would say right now is maybe not all that big of a deal, especially for the reasons that uh, Paul Fime just mentioned, that a very capable replacement like Mike Bobo, I believe he is anyway, a very capable replacement like Mike Bobo might be waiting in the wings. However, while I am firmly of the belief that this is for Georgia not yet a distraction, I do think you have to admit here for a moment that the longer this goes on, whether it be, you know, Munkin leaving himself open as a candidate in the NFL, Georgia relatively quiet in response to all of this, I think the longer this goes on, the more it opens up the invitation to read into it one way or another. That if Todd Munkin is interviewing for a situation like Tampa, not a very attractive situation, a situation like Baltimore, maybe better than Tampa, but probably not among the better situations in the NFL, as I said before, a lot of Georgia fans may be well within their rights to read into that of, well, gosh, Munkin just may really want to be in the NFL. And in response to all of this, as uh, Paul Feinbaum suggests, if Georgia doesn't make some sort of big contract offer to Munkin, some sort of big extension or big money, given the fact that Munkin's probably already the highest paid assistant coach in, in college football. But if Georgia doesn't tack on even more money to that as a way of keeping him or as a way of ending all of this right now, then I think that you might be well within your rights to say, well, Georgia might be just sort of okay if he leaves. I mean, I don't know that it's quite as forceful as Feinbaum described it there of say la vie, uh, no coach is worth $3 million. So if you want to interview for the ball, uh, for the uh, Baltimore Ravens or the Tampa Bay Bucks, see you later. Uh, nice to know you, you know, pat you back on the way out the door. I don't quite know that it's anywhere near that forceful or anywhere near, you know, that, that kind of comes across a little bit more of a, of a hot take to me than anything else. But the longer this goes on, the more it does invite reading into it about Munkin's feelings about college compared to the NFL, about George's feelings about just how much a part of this success Todd Munkin really has been over the course of the uh, last couple of years. So as it stands now, I would say that we're still many days away or at least a handful of days away from any resolution on this one way or another. Todd Munkin's continued pursuit of these NFL jobs would lead you to believe that's something that he maybe wants for himself. And Georgia's willingness to allow this to play out 
Maybe you read into this that Georgia might be sort of okay no matter how all of this goes. Interesting thoughts there from Paul Feinbaum on that yesterday. Now, let me shift gears and do something completely different here for a moment. Yesterday was also an interesting day around the NFL with the fact that A.J. Green, the great former Georgia wide receiver, announced his retirement from the NFL. And I think that legend is a very big word to use about somebody, but I think in the case of A.J. Green for you know what he was at the high school level, which obviously got a lot of our attention back then, on his way to Georgia, absolutely living up to the hype here, then going on to have an astoundingly good NFL career, first with the Cincinnati Bengals for a long time, finishing it up with the Arizona Cardinals. I just think that A.J. Green has been a great player at every level of the sport and someone that I think the Georgia fans will have fond memories of for a very, very long time. This is just simply put one of the best players to ever play for this program. So in light of Green's retirement announcement, in light of the fact that I think he's an eventual pro football Hall of Famer, I wanted to celebrate him here for a moment. I want to do this in a special way. A couple of years ago, this would have been I think 2019, this is back when the Super Bowl was in Atlanta. Was that in 2019 when that happened? Uh, Super Bowl in Atlanta, maybe it was 2018, Uh, whatever year it was. This is before the Rams played the Patriots in Atlanta. Uh, A.J. Green was also here, and he was doing an event at Kroger in Athens, and so had a chance to go have a private conversation with A.J. and uh, do a little interview there. And so this is kind of like pretty early days of the Kirby Smart era. This is back when uh, Green still played with the Bengals. This is right before the Rams played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I wanted to play this for you. It's pretty short, but I wanted to play this for you because I think it highlights just how proud A.J. Green was about his tie to UGA, just how excited he was about, at the time, what was the start of the Kirby Smart era. I just think this is really good and a really fun thing to celebrate on a day in which A.J. Green is now officially retired from the NFL. So from a couple of years ago, here is a quick interview I did with A.J. Green. Hope you enjoyed it as a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. We're live here outside the parking lot at the Athens Kroger on Alps Road, and it's a real thrill to be joined by the great former Georgia wide receiver, A.J. Green. A.J., thanks for spending a little bit of time with us here today. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Well, I tell you, you know, as we got here, we've already had a chance to talk to a lot of Georgia fans at the Kroger, and so many people were saying, you know, it's really fun to have A.J. back in Athens and be here at the Kroger. I mean, for you, how much fun is it to be back in a town that I would imagine you had a pretty good time at a few years ago? Hey, man, it's fun, man. Like I said, coming down here, just like, I uh, see my old apartments and all the little places I used to go when I was here. Man, it's unbelievable, man. It's just like I said, this, the, the three years I was here is the best time of my life. So. Now, of course, Georgia's changed a good bit since you were here. It's Kirby Smart leading this program now. You're watching that, I'm sure, as a fan from afar. What have you thought of the way that you know Kirby Smart's run this program over the last few years? These last two years have been very exciting, man. Um, give me a lot. Of, we give me a lot of uh, you know bragging rights when I'm in the locker room. So it's always great to you know have you know my fellow teammates and you know when the Bulldogs doing great, I'm always talking a lot of trash to them. So. These last two years have been great. Um, I wish we could finish the finish the season with a big one, but I think we we're gonna be real real good for a long time. So, one of the things that we had a chance to talk to Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, some of those guys about earlier this week was, you know, especially in the case of Gurley because he didn't play for Kirby, the way that he's done outreach with guys that didn't you know play for him, make them feel a part of the program, even though you played for Coach Rick. What's that kind of been like getting to know him and and feeling a part of a program, even though that's a coach you didn't necessarily play for? Right, man, it's awesome. Like when you go there, man, he treats you like he. You know, he recruited you, and um, he makes you feel like it's home. And um, he's a great guy, man. He's a great recruit, man. Uh, he really, you know, changed that program around, I mean, around in these last two years. It's unbelievable. You obviously had a great career, George, as a wide receiver, and you made a lot of folks proud there with the Cincinnati Bengals. And now a lot of Georgia fans are looking for that next great, you know, Georgia wide receiver. And one of the questions that comes up, you know, given the fact that Georgia's got good offensive line and great running backs and, you know, obviously committed to the run, 
do you think, from the respect of a guy not in the NFL, is that the kind of offense where a, a wide receiver like you can 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 really flourish? Oh, of course, yeah. You just you know you just gotta capitalize on your opportunities um, whenever it's called. But you know these, I feel like young kids these days they all want to be in that that five receiver um, offense, getting a lot of balls, getting a hundred balls. But you know sometimes it's just you know if you got a great offensive line, great um, running backs, man, you get a lot of one on one out there. So I think if any receiver you want to come to Georgia, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like the conventional wisdom, right? If you're bringing safeties up the line of scrimmage, stopping the run, right. all of a sudden a guy like you is going to take advantage of that one-on-one -on -one coverage, right? Right, right. Um, you know, when I was here, I had no shot on the staff, so there was a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage, and, you know, that's why I made my mark at. So, Obviously, we know that you'd love to see the Cincinnati Bengals in this game, and beyond that, how happy is it for you to see, you know, Gurley and Michelle and these former Georgia players? As a uh, UGA alumnus yourself, how does that make you feel having these guys here? It's great, man. Like like I said, seeing Todd and seeing uh, Sony and um, a lot of other guys, man, just uh, being at that game, is I know it's a surreal um, feeling. Um, so I'm just happy for them. Um, so. Well, on behalf of everybody here at Kroger in Athens, let me just say thanks for coming back, spend some time here today, and we appreciate you spending some time at part of Dog Nation as well. Thank you, man. My pleasure. So a couple of things about that. First of all, one of the things I love is that's early days Kirby Smart. That's several years ago. Early days of uh, Kirby Smart, and yet you heard from A.J. Green. Such an enthusiasm and a real optimism about what Kirby Smart had a chance to build at Georgia. Now here we are, fast forward to 2023, and Georgia's won two national championships. The offensive had, explosion has been a big part of that. Wide receivers having great success, the way that A.J. Green believed would be possible there. And so it's kind of nice to hear – some of those words from AJ almost turn out to be prophetic as Georgia has gone on to have the kind of success that he believed Georgia could have. And it's also kind of nice to hear early days of smart the way he was embracing players who didn't play for him, like AJ Green or Todd Gurley and some of those early or some of those uh, you know, other, you know, former UG greats who were kind of there prior to him. Really you sort of see the building blocks of what has turned out to be uh, quite a program, and you see some of that with A.J. Green. The other thing is, if you're watching on video, our new colleague uh, Kaylee Manziel says that she doesn't believe I've aged since that video. Now, I have to say that, on the one hand, I definitely have more gray hair now than I did then, but I'm also probably a little thinner now than I was when that uh, particular video was uh, going on, so... <laughs> I'll take that compliment from Kaylee, whether it is true or not. But the one thing we do believe, A.J. Green, an all-time great at both the college and the NFL level. Uh, we celebrate his career. We wish him well in his retirement, and we hope to see him back here around Athens very soon. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Engineered Solutions Georgia. And we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. However you join us via video, we're just glad you do. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. And as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com, we are just so grateful to have you as a part of the program here today and so grateful to have a great sponsor like Engineered Solutions of Georgia making all this possible. You know our friends at ESOG are proud of A.J. Green, the career that he put together. They've been watching uh, Green going back to his time here at UGA. That's the kind of sponsors we have here, people who are deeply entrenched with what goes on with the dogs. Of course, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, proud partner of UGA. That means when you do business with them, you're doing business with somebody who supports what's going on with UGA Athletics, and we're grateful for that. And you're also supporting someone who's been a longtime friend of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. So if you're a homeowner, two of the issues that you know can be the sign of a serious problem. You've got water coming into your house where it's not supposed to be, or you see evidence of cracks. Sometimes that may be down in the basement floor, or that may be in the walls, or something like that. 
it's all potentially a sign of a foundation issue or maybe a waterproofing issue. And these are kind of the things that threaten the structural integrity of your home. So getting this seen about, getting something done about this is obviously just a really, really important thing to be able to do. And that's where our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia can step in for you on all of this. They've got an entire team of engineers on staff. There's really nobody in our market that puts that level of resource to work for you when you've got potentially a waterproofing problem or a foundation problem. So it's time to reach out to our friends and engineered solutions of George, have a conversation about what you have going on. They're a solutions-based company. What that means is if you've got a simple fix or if your situation only requires a simple fix, they're more than happy to tell you about that. That's always good news if that's what you hear. But as I said before, if it's something a little bit more substantial, something that takes a little more work to, to be rectified, all the more reason you want experts doing the work for you. And that's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. So give them a call. Phone number, very easy to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. And that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, on our show today, we're going to get in touch with Jake Fromm later on, the great former Georgia quarterback. A lot to talk to him about here today, including maybe what's going on with this Georgia coaching staff and kind of uh, what all that means here right now. We'll do that with him later. We'll also catch up with Connor Riley here in a couple of minutes' time there as well. Prior to that, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse. And I told you, uh, I think a moment ago, Jeff Sintel has a really good story up at dognation.com right now as it relates to five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola. Rayola is one of the bigger names, certainly out there potentially for Georgia in the class of 2024. And in Jeff's story, there is a lot out there about how Rayola views UGA. Obviously, views the dogs quite favorably just given the success they're enjoying and it seems like we've heard a lot about his relationship and Georgia's relationship growing stronger uh, in the aftermath of Rayola recently decommitting from Ohio State. Rayola talks about a whole host of Georgia staffers who are seemingly in contact with him on a regular basis including Mike Bobo who's potentially a replacement I guess if Todd Munkin does move on to the NFL. Rayla also tells Jeff Sintel that he'll be watching that Munkin situation closely. There's a lot to this story and I think it's worth your time to read the entire thing there uh, at dognation.com but it's also one of those things where I kind of find it a little bit interesting today and listen who knows what any of this means we're all just kind of following this the best we possibly can but in light of Rayola being sort of the name to know for Georgia right now in terms of uncommitted 2024 prospects, Georgia also has a 2024 uh, quarterback prospect already committed in Ryan Puglisi out of uh, Connecticut. All of a sudden, Georgia has also now extended another offer to a 2024 quarterback. This is a good one. A guy I had a chance to see uh, play this year. His name is Jake Merklinger. Let me show you this on the uh, screen here for a moment. Merklinger uh, stepping up to say that he has recently gotten the Georgia offer. He says, after a great conversation, I'm honored to say I have received an offer from the University of Georgia. Gives you the hashtag go dogs. Nice to see that G still populating when you do that. Tags Kirby Smart, tags Todd Monk, and also tags Mike Bobo in that there as well. So Merklinger, one of the top quarterbacks here in the state of Georgia for the upcoming season, has just gotten a scholarship offer there for UGA. Now, what does any of this mean? As I said, I'm not 100% sure that I'm ready to say that one way or another, but I think you can take this probably as an indication that when it comes to the Rayola recruitment still ongoing, there are likely to be a lot of twists and turns here on all of this. George is obviously a factor, but you know, Rayola's got the family tied in Nebraska. He just took the visit to USC. My guess is we're going to start hearing a lot about Dylan Rayola in a lot of different fashions here one way or another. And the offer going out to Merklinger, who is, listen, a very good quarterback in his own right, 
but the offer going out to Merklinger might be a little bit of a signal that Georgia's just sort of ready for whatever uh, takes place with all of this. Quarterback already in hand for the class of 2024, uh, seeking Rayola here right now. It sounds like Georgia has a lot of potential options here right now, and they are exploring all of those, as maybe Dylan Rayola is doing there as well. We'll make that around the doghouse for you here today. And by the way, before we bring on Connor Riley, let me also uh, remind you one more time that you still have a great opportunity right now to get in for your chance to win a trip on board the Dog Nation cruise coming up this April. Of course, you know we're going to be with our friends at Royal Caribbean on Independence of the Seas going Nassau, Bahamas, Perfect Day, Coco Cay. That's April 24th to the 28th. Many of you have signed up to be a part of that, and I'm so grateful for that. But also, some of you are registering for your chance to win, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. So let me tell you more about that here right now. If you go to dognation.com, and our good friend Casey, who works so hard for us, has set this up so you can do all of your registering right there at dognation.com. Very, very simple. Uh, Less complicated than maybe some of these things were for us in the past, which I know is uh, good for all of the uh, staff around here. But if you go to dognation.com, you can register for your chance to win between now and February 10th. You have a chance to do that. Now, here's the way it works. If you win, you're going to get a stateroom for up to two people. You're going to a hotel room the night prior to the cruise leaving. So you're already in Port Canaveral there on April 23rd. That's super convenient. You get a gas card. You get some onboard credit. Uh, so a great experience onboard Independence of the Seas there with us. All of this courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Now, all you have to do for your chance to win is simply go to dognation.com. And when you see the link, it's very easy to find right there. When you see the link, just simply tell us what your most memorable moment from Georgia's 2022 season was. Obviously, back-to-back national championships go for two and 22. We got that done here this year. What do you remember most? What stood out to you? Simply share your best memory from the season. And from all of our entrants, we're going to draw out one winner. So between now and February 10th, which is Friday, you've got your chance to do that. So go to dognation.com to find out more details about that. All right, before we're done, it's the former quarterback, Jake Fromm. But for now, on everything else going on around UGA, including what actually is going on with Todd Munkin, let's do all of that with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to uh, Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia here today. Connor, before you joined us, I played a little bit of audio from Paul Feinbaum's show yesterday. And what I told the audience is, is I think what Feinbaum says, you have to consider the possibility that it might be true, whether it is true or not. We've said before that Todd Munkin's continued involvement in some of these NFL OC interviews should potentially lead you to believe he must have some interest in pursuing a job there. This is a real thing that 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 is obviously on his mind, whether he ended up taking one of these or he actually gets offered one of these or not. You should probably take that seriously. And on the flip side of this, as uh, Paul Feinbaum mentioned yesterday, that if Georgia continues to allow all this to go on without offering the big, huge payday or something along those lines, that Georgia might be content if Munkin does truly decide to leave. What do you think about the fact that here we are a week later, and if anything, the waters have only gotten more muddied because the Baltimore Ravens are now involved in this? Like, Where do you think things stand with Todd Munkin right now, and how do you think Kirby Smart probably feels about all of this? I'm not surprised that the waters are more muddy just because the way the reporting on all this has sort of come out, and if you follow the tea leaves here, and again, this is incredibly inside baseball here, all the NFL guys seem to think Todd Munkin is going back to the NFL. You know, Chris Mortensen had the report last week. He expects Todd Munkin to get offered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. 
where you follow some of the college reporting on this, including in our own dog nation, it sounds like they all sort of believe that Todd Munkin wants to stick around or will be sticking around. And I think if I'm making an educated guess here, I don't think he wants the Tampa Bay job. Uh, I don't think he sees that as all that desirable. Whereas I think if he gets offered the Baltimore Ravens job, assuming Lamar Jackson sticks around or assuming they trade Jackson for Bushel picks, you can see how that becomes a more desirable sort of option there as well. There are also two head coach openings that are still available, the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. Let's say the Cardinals were to hire Dan Quinn. Maybe you know that makes a lot of sense for Todd Munkin to be the offensive coordinator and play caller there. And so with that in mind, you know, I think I think you're right in pointing out that Georgia very well might be okay with Todd Munkin choosing to leave for an NFL job now because, they, again, you know, the offense is never going to be better than it was this season. Uh, you leave on a high note. And, and Kirby Smart also knows at some point, look, he, he was around Nick Saban when they were winning championships. And, and he knows at a certain point you're going to have to replace great coordinators. That just comes with winning championships, the cost of doing business. And, you know, look, Georgia's got a lot. When, if and when Todd Munkin leaves, Georgia's going to have a lot of very good options to go and replace him, with, whether it be Mike Bobo, whether it be Brian McClendon, whether Kirby goes back to the NFL ranks, maybe hire someone like Thomas Brown. Uh, that Georgia offensive coordinator job is going to be very enticing. And, look, when Munkin leaves, he leaves, and Georgia's going to have plenty of guys capable of replacing him. You follow the NFL so much more closely than I do. I don't th- – know of a lot of examples of lateral moves among NFL assistant coaches. There's been some chatter about Eric Bieniemy leaving Kansas City where he kind of is thought to be, you know, only partially responsible for the offensive success that uh, you know, team has had going to a place like Baltimore where he has a chance to get more of the full credit, which obviously would mean that Baltimore could be many, many days away from making this hire, at least post Super Bowl. If uh, if that's going to go down, how seriously do you take the B enemy involvement in the Baltimore coaching search right now? Pretty seriously, just given they haven't hired an offensive coordinator. Look, they've done second round interviews with Munkin, Dave Canales, a couple of candidates there. But I think the big distinction with B enemy, while yes, he's been involved with the Chiefs during their historic run, he's not the primary play caller there in Kansas City. That belongs to Andy Reid, and so. You know, while in title it is a lateral move, in terms of responsibility, if enemy were to get that Ravens offensive coordinator job, it would be a step up in responsibilities there. And there's maybe been some friction uh, on the Kansas City sidelines this year with Mahomes and with enemy that might just be time to have a new voice there in Kansas City, which I think makes sense for why enemy is looking around. Because the past couple of hiring cycles, questions were being asked about, well, why isn't this enemy guy getting more head coaching looks and the reality is I think a lot of people have sort of seen guys that have come from that Andy Retree you know Matt Nagy is a name that comes to mind previously where didn't have a whole lot of play calling uh, wasn't the play caller there in Kansas City and then struggled as a head coach and you wonder if maybe enemy falls under the same thing there all right let me bring Dylan Rayola into all of this because I think the Rayola thing is kind of interesting here because on the one hand it seems like Mike Bobo has been a very prevalent part of Rayola's recruitment it's I think Mike Bobo spent a good bit of time on the road as of late it seems like he's been designated to be out there and so you know Bobo has been obviously working a lot with Georgia from a recruiting standpoint Rayola told Jeff uh in a story that folks hopefully have read at dognation.com that he's obviously watching the Munkin situation closely uh, Georgia offer, also offers another 2024 quarterback in Jake Merklinger who I think is really really good but you know 
it seems like the Riola thing, one way or another, could be a little bit of a canary in the coal mine about sort of where all this is going in terms of the importance that Mike Bobo has to this organization right now and to, to I guess, maybe what the future of Todd Munkin is. How do you read into what's going on with 2024 quarterbacks as a way of trying to figure out what's also going on with Georgia offensive coordinators right now? Well, I think we feel, you and I both agree, Mike Bobo is a far better recruiter than Todd Munkin is. Uh, I, I think Bobo's track record almost certainly backs that up there, and so you can understand why Georgia would want him involved in this process and out there. And again, you know, look, if Munkin were to leave, look, not only is Georgia going to have an offensive coordinator opening, they're going to have a quarterback's coach opening there as well. And Bobo has done both before. He's done both at Georgia. I think to me what's so interesting about the offer to Mecklinger, uh, who is a very talented quarterback prospect in and of itself one Georgia very clearly wants to take two quarterbacks in this cycle they already have one in Ryan Puglisi they did not take one a year ago and I think maybe this is a correction of sorts to last year where they went all in on Arch Manning and they were saying we're willing to go all the way to the end for Arch if we don't get him we don't get him well they didn't get him and now they're potentially in a spot where if a quarterback does decide to transfer following spring practice they're only going to have two scholarship guys this fall and that's going to very severely limit what this offense is going to be willing to do aka if you know a quarterback does leave they might not be willing to run Carson back as much as they want to and let him have that freedom to run and scramble to try and reduce the number of hits he takes and we saw what kind of impact that had on the 2019 offense with Jake Fromm uh you know I mean Jake was not a spectacular athlete but he was a capable one and they did not want him running they did not want him scrambling in part because they were so limited at that quarterback depth chart position. And so I think with Merklinger being offered, it is the very least is insurance to Rayola, because Rayola is an incredibly talented quarterback. I think from a prospect standpoint, I think I like him a little bit more than I like Arch Manning. But having said all that, I think with Merklinger, you have insurance. And Georgia's saying, okay, like, yes, we still very much want to be in the Dylan Rayola business. We get it. We understand it. We know Mecklinger is a really talented quarterback there as well, and we like what he can potentially bring to this offense and do for Georgia going forward as well as a second quarterback in this class. And so I think with Rayola, they understand, like, look, USC wants him. Nebraska's going to be very aggressive in terms of how they recruit him, given his connections to there. And Georgia needs to have backup options in the event that he does Rayola elect to go elsewhere because of the – I don't want to say instability, but the possibility for change when it comes to Georgia's offensive coaching staff. So let me ask you a blunt question. Do you think that the Merklinger offer is a signal that things are opening up more with Rayola? Just took a visit to USC. That's kind of a, at least when it comes to quarterbacks and wide receivers, kind of an NIL program. They don't seem to maybe be quite as, uh, you know, interested in paying other positions, but quarterbacks, wide receivers, seemingly so. There's obviously a big family tied in Nebraska, and frankly, Nebraska's kind of emerging as a little bit of an NIL program, at least you're, you're, you're led to believe. Do you think the Merklinger offer is an indication that, at the very least, a commitment to Georgia for Aola is not imminent? Yeah, I think this is a, a sign that this is probably going to be a, a longer recruitment than maybe some had anticipated at previous points. And, and look, you know, Jeff's reporting on this speaks for itself. Uh, Rayola was going to make this a long-term recruitment. He committed to Ohio State early, clearly had reservations about that and wants to have a fully formed opinion about these schools in terms of where he wants to go. I believe Jeff has reported Rayla is going to be back for a visit in Georgia in March. I imagine he's going to take visits to USC, to Nebraska again there as well. Maybe TCU gets involved, especially given he has a sister there playing volleyball for the Horned Frogs. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting in terms of how all this plays out. 
in the coming weeks and months, but I, I, I don't think a, a commitment is imminent when it comes to Rayola. I would probably expect something closer to a summer timeline in terms of when he ultimately makes a decision or something to be done before his senior year. Let me ask you a question you don't know the answer to to change the subject here for a moment. ESPN recently did a story kind of touting the uh, the Georgia transfer wide receivers on the way in here, Dominic Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas. Obviously, Ra Ra Thomas has had a, uh, an unfortunate allegation attached to his name, and yet that's now several weeks ago. The longer this goes on, do you become of the belief that Ra Ra Thomas is still on the Georgia football team and will play for the Dogs in 2023? Yeah, the fact that he's still on the team leads me to believe that, or the fact that he has not been dismissed from the program leads me to believe that he will be suiting up for Georgia this fall. Yeah, I, I guess I'm of the same mind, and frankly, I'm not all that well versed even in the, the details on this. What should be, shouldn't be. I, I don't know that I have an opinion on that, but I agree with your overall a sentiment on this that the longer this goes it seems like Thomas is I guess likely to be here so now that that's kind of out of the way Connor I gotta tell you to make this be about football again when you look at the two transfer receivers that ESPN I think rightly uh, points out here their productivity a year ago three of the top five pass catchers for Georgia this past season coming back Connor to think about where Georgia kind of was as recently as a few we just talked to AJ or heard, heard an interview from AJ Green back at a time in which Georgia was desperate for any receiver production it could get and to think about what Georgia brings back from its 2022 team, bringing on to the 2023 team successful other SEC places, I just think that Georgia has upgraded its pass catchers, its wide receivers, by magnitudes compared to where it was before. And I think this is actually a really underrated storyline of just how productive Georgia's pass catchers returning for this upcoming season are going to be. Are you as impressed with that as I am? Yeah, because not only do you have, you know, experienced guys that you know what you're getting in Lad McConkey, and we'll include Brock Bowers in this discussion as well here, uh, and you bring in intriguing new options in Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas. You know, I don't expect both those guys to quote unquote hit or, or be big time players for Georgia, but I expect at least one of them to, just sort of given the way the transfer portal works out and going in and grabbing players out of there. But Arian Smith, what do you see out of him? You saw a massive game from him in Ohio State this past season. He's able to stay healthy, which has been a frequent thing throughout his career. What do you see out of him? Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint was a guy who I think you and I were both impressed with what we saw from yeah. him this past season, especially in his ability to make contested catches. And in the red zone, he really became, I think, an important weapon in that portion of the field there. And then another guy that's maybe gotten lost a little bit in the shuffle, but Dylan Bell is a guy who you know impressed coaches last offseason, came in, carved out a little bit of a role here and there, you know, maybe got lost in the shuffle a little bit as the season progressed, but that sort of comes with being a freshman and running into the quote-unquote freshman wall. I'll be really interested to see what Georgia uses him and how they get more out of him this offseason because I do think his body type is an intriguing, you know, you can move him around, play him in a different bunch of spaces. And so they have both, you know, high-end guys that have made big plays before, guys that are looking to do more in a new spot, and then they have guys that have already produced at Georgia in sporadic cases and will be looking to become more consistent contributors. So, you know, you think back to that 2019 team, and I'm sure you'll ask Jake about this, but just the impact of having so much freshness and newness at wide receiver where you yeah. go back and think about that team. The top three wide receivers were Lawrence Cager, who was a transfer, George Pickens, who was a freshman, and Dominic Blaylock, who was a freshman. I mean, that just made things so tough on Jake and what that offense was capable of doing. To have the offensive weaponry that they have this time around, even having to replace a 4,000-yard passer in Stetson Bennett, 
whoever steps in at that quarterback spot is going to have a luxury that a lot of quarterbacks in Georgia in recent history, and I'm not even talking about it necessarily in the Kirby Smart era. I'm, I'm talking maybe going back to the Aaron Murray days. Yeah, They haven't had this sort of luxury at the wide receiver position in quite some time here in Georgia. Uh, finish with this. How do you think A.J. Green's going to be remembered for his football career? Um, you know, I, I was texting with a buddy last night. We have a recurring game. Is so-and-so a Hall of Famer? I think it's going to be interesting if he gets in. He's clearly one of the greatest Bengals of all time. Uh, you know, his career is probably hurt a little bit by the fact that the best quarterback he ever played with was either Kyler Murray at the very end of his career or for the large part of it, Andy Dalton. But 70 career touchdowns, over 10,000 receiving yards, universally beloved, uh, you know, a just great career beginning to end starting in high school at Somerville High School yeah. there in South Carolina. Obviously, continuing at Georgia, I think Darren Edwards has said this, uh, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the best receiver to ever play for the University of Georgia. I know Terrence has all the records, but in terms of raw ability and the fact that A.J. only played three years, one of which was impacted by signed jersey scandal that fortunately we don't have to deal with in this day and age anymore. I, I think it'll be, you know, again, a DGD, DGD without question, sure. you know, potential probable Hall of Famer. I think he gets in there at some point. And just an all-around, you know, true professional football player, something we don't necessarily see as much in this day and age, but a guy who just went out there every Sunday, gutted it out, had great seasons, two-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, a, a true, you know, one of the best football players, regardless of position, to ever play for the University of Georgia. Connor, this is maybe kind of a weird thing to say. I, I think of A.J. Green as sort of the start of, for lack of a better phrase, the modern era at, at Georgia and the fact that I believe the very first YouTube video I ever saw was his high school highlights. You know, he'd kind of become this Georgia commit and everybody was like super fascinated with what he was going to be and the place to go to sort of see what he was doing there in South Carolina was on YouTube. And I don't believe I'd ever been to YouTube prior to that. Uh, so I sort of think of him as kind of the <laughs> – the start of not quite the internet age because the internet existed for a while before that but the kind of sort of modern age in which we live now we're all watching these video highlights and things like that all the time I sort of think about AJ Green as the guy who sort of ushered in that era at Georgia maybe more so than guys like Noshan and Matthew Stafford uh did uh so so for me that's kind of what AJ Green sort of feels like kind of the line of demarcation of kind of the new more modern age that we've lived in ever since then do you have a favorite A.J. Green catch or performance? I'll tell you a weird game that comes to mind for me on A.J. Green because it's not on anybody's radar. The home game against Arizona State, whatever year that would have been, like he was just so obviously the best player in the field. Catching the ball, blocked a field goal. It was like almost like one of these like sort of little league performances where he was just literally just sort of doing everything. And I remember this is a weird game. No one even, you know, obviously cares about it. Nobody cared about it at the time, to be to be completely honest with you. But it was just one of those things where like you just were left to conclude oh my gosh, this guy is just so unbelievably good. Georgia does not have the kind of team they should have around him at the time. I have to admit that's kind of what I was thinking. But he's just so unbelievably good. Obviously, the Colorado game in 2010 you know, kind of comes to mind on that. The very frustrating situation that take him, took him off the field uh, with the uh, signed jersey, You know, that's a part of this there too. What am I leaving out? What for you stands out that, that hasn't already been mentioned? Yeah, the Colorado game comes to mind. I mean, just the absurd catch he had in the end zone there uh, at Colorado in 2010, which, I mean, you know, it, it was only back in 2010, which isn't that long ago, but Colorado won that game, and they were 3-1, and one, and Georgia yeah. was 1-4, and, four, and oh after this past season, those two programs couldn't be, you know, farther apart. Obviously, I think Dion is going to change some of that. The 2010 game against Auburn, uh, which Auburn won okay. a national championship that yeah. year, that game was a game for a while, even though I don't think that Georgia team had any real business competing that day. 
I think he had something like six catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and just speaks to, you know, unfortunately the way his career sort of panned out. Uh, great singular talent, elevated his team. But A.J. Green in his NFL career, uh, 12 years in the NFL, yeah. never won a playoff game. Wow. And, and it, through, no, through no fault of his own right. whatsoever. Just, uh, you know, never got in the right situation and just never got there. But a guy who always elevated his team, made everyone around him better, quarterbacks, offensive line, running backs, whoever. And just, a, again, I can't emphasize this enough, a true professional. I know one of the cooler moments we had, I think it was maybe 2019, uh, when you and I got a chance to go interview him. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, an all-time professional, a guy who, you know, I hope gets in the Hall of Fame because of what he represents about the game of football and obviously what he represents about the University of Georgia. Very quick. I don't think that you would say Mount Rushmore because that's only four. I think he's way better than one of the ten best Georgia players. Like, how many names? And I, you know, we don't have to do the the whole deal here. But about where would you rank him in terms of all time great Georgia players? Is it six? Is it somewhere in that top six, top seven? I, I feel like he's at least top ten, probably not top four. Somewhere five, six, seven, eight. Is that about where you would have him? Maybe. If we're going just players here. You know, Herschel is ahead of him. I think Stetson is ahead of him. I think David Pollock is, is ahead of him. I would say Nick Chubb is ahead of him. Yeah, I would. And then and then you've got probably a range of guys who both cool and accomplished things. Yeah. You know, Roquan Smith, I think, belongs in there. Nicobe Dean belongs in there. Uh, Todd Gurley belongs in yeah. there. And then I think, you know, Todd and A.J. Green sort of occupy the same spot in my mind yeah. in terms of who they were what they accomplished at Georgia and, and what they meant to the program. And, again, you know, they, they were playing during my formative years, really watching, getting to start to appreciate Georgia and seeing what they did. Uh, you know, I'll give a controversial take here. Look, uh, you know, there was talk recently about best running backs in Georgia history. Look, uh, you know, Herschel was Herschel, and what he did was a long time ago. That's cool. In the modern era, I, there's no one that was better than Todd Gurley. And Nick Chubb put up better stats, and I get that. And Nick was great and a great representative for this university. I was there for both of those guys. You're out of your mind if you think Nick Chubb is a better running back than Todd Gurley was. I mean, you're absolutely poisoning the show with this comment so late in your interview. Uh, <laughs> you know, trust me, we will have many weeks in, in, in the future uh, to discuss that. That's a very interesting topic, and that's one we'll certainly have plenty of time to discuss in the uh, time to come. But I do appreciate your time here today. Uh, a lot of great thoughts and a lot of things uh, related to Georgia. Maybe not quite so much the last point, but everything else was certainly very good, Connor. <laughs> Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Good stuff. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I'm a big believer in Nick Chubb's Georgia career. I really, really am. And obviously, when you're talking about, like, you know, the small handful of very best players in program history, there aren't, there aren't a lot of wrong answers necessarily. Uh, and, you know, clearly I'm a huge fan of Todd Gurley's, of course. But I do believe that Nick Chubb's the second best running back that this program's ever had. And... If you're going to make that list of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten best players in program history, I do think that Chubb, for a number of reasons, both in terms of what he meant to the 2017 team, but gosh, how dominant he was. Freshman year of 2014, Louisville Bowl game, Missouri game, Arkansas game. These were some of the most individual dominant performances, I think, in program history. It's a fun conversation. I'm sure it's one that we'll do a lot in the future. And I'll also say this really quick about A.J. Green, too. You know, you know, clearly it's not the the kind of like, you know, bright and shiny career that a lot of Super Bowl trophies, things like that will, will earn for you. But I do think there's something to be said for it's almost like 
even more impressive in some ways without the playoff wins, without that great success, without always playing with a great quarterback, to sort of show up and do your job at the excellent level week in, week out, year in, year out uh, over the course of a career like that. That's the kind of thing I do think there ought to be special acknowledgement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for. And as somebody who likes sports just beyond college football, you know, I feel that way about you know baseball and probably basketball and, and, and football there as well. There is something to be said for doing your job in an excellent fashion over the course of a number of years. And uh, I think that's clearly what A.J. Green has done. I'm obviously not an objective source on this, but I do believe he belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, when it comes to the Hall of Fame for vacations, you know uh, I've got Royal Caribbean Cruises right there first ballot on that, and I'm looking forward to my own Royal Caribbean Cruise vacation coming up here very soon. And I'm also looking forward to being on board Independence of the Seas with all of you coming up in April there as well. And it's one of the things I love about Royal Caribbean, whether you're doing like I'm doing, kind of a more of a seven-night type cruise, or if you want, like what we're going to do on our Dog Nation cruise, which is a four-night cruise. I also have a three-night cruise coming up uh, later on the summer there as well. I like the different options because at different times in your life, different times in your year, there are different things that sort of work. Right now, for my family, we need a vacation. We need a full week. We want to be unplugged from all of the world uh, you know, for that week. We just sort of feel like we need that. But there are other times you get a lot going on. You can't be unplugged quite so long. So the cruise we're taking in April, our Dog Nation cruise, you leave out on a Monday, you get back on a Friday. It's a four-night deal. Or you want the next cruise, which is like the three-night cruise, that leaves out on a Friday. You're gone Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Boom, you're right back there on a Monday. You can go to work that day if you want to. You have all kinds of options when it comes to Royal Caribbean, and they're all really fun, whether it's you know going out of Port Canaveral, where uh, we'll be going out of. You've got Independence of the Seas that we're going to be on. Obviously, Wonder of the Seas is a gorgeous uh, ship that sails out of there as well. I like that convenience. If I can keep myself from having to fly to go on my cruise vacation, that's one of the things I enjoy doing. Now, listen, there's some great uh, opportunities when you do fly, going down to, say, like, say, Miami coming up in January of 2024 when Icon of the Seas debuts. Maybe we'll be doing that there as well. So the point to give you here is, is that whatever you feel like you're into, Royal Caribbean's got an option for you on that. And a great travel agent named Jessica Slater has got you covered on all this there as well. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also visit a website that she's put together, royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com. All right, a couple of stories here real quick. We're going to talk to Jake Fromm after that. First of all, we told you yesterday about the Alabama coordinator hires that have been made here. Tommy Reese in place as offensive coordinator. Uh, Kevin Steele in place as defensive coordinator. This is not exactly what all Alabama fans want, but Lane Kiffin, who always seems to have plenty to say about Alabama, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, frankly, I think that's a little bit weird. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Kiffin's been on Twitter. Uh, he's got a message to Alabama fans uh, about this. Let me see if uh, I, I can show you this. On Twitter, Lane Kiffin responding to the Alabama fans, apparently worried about uh, uh, about what Alabama's hired. So one of the Barstool shows says, Alabama fans dreamed of an offseason of hiring either Joe Brady or Cliff Kingsbury, I should say Cliff Kingsbury, to run their offense, Jeremy Pruitt to run their defense. What they got? Tommy Rees and Kevin Steele. Will it work? They say, we'll see. Lane Kiffin responds to say, the GOAT just signed the number one recruiting class with no coordinators. Relax, and he tags Alabama football in that. As I said before, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I think all of this is pretty weird because Kiffin spends seemingly a lot of time talking about other jobs, thinking about other other jobs other than the one that he has. And this past year, at the end of the year, I think Ole Miss fans were definitely pretty frustrated with Lane because of the fact that he was seemingly way more interested in maybe the Auburn job or some other opening uh, coaching opening than he was coaching Ole Miss, and they got beaten in the Egg Bowl maybe because of that. 
as far as how Alabama fans feel about all of this, there is definitely a sort of lack of enthusiasm, it would seem, about these coaching hires right now. A lot of these Alabama fans have even talked themselves into, oh, Kevin Steele's just a placeholder for the guy that we're eventually going to have uh, when it comes to Jeremy Pruitt once the NCAA stuff is uh, out from underneath him, that, that Alabama will be able to do what it wants to do and hire Jeremy Pruitt. Maybe that's the case, or maybe the very first defensive coordinator that Nick Saban ever had at Alabama, Kevin Steele, ends up being the last defensive coordinator uh, that he ever has there as well. I'll also squeeze this in real quick. We'll probably end up doing more on this tomorrow. The Athletic had a very interesting look at Jaden Rashada's NIL deal, the one that Florida could not live up to that led to Rashada going to Arizona State. Uh, Pretty interesting details on all of this. In fact, let me just sort of save that for another time. We're kind of running a little bit short on time. But basically, it was a lot of money. Uh, Unfortunately, Florida uh, was not able to pay it, and so Rashada has ended up at Arizona State. And we will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Of course, here on Tuesdays on Dog Nation Daily, one of the things that we've grown to really enjoy doing is having our chance to talk to the great former Georgia quarterback, uh, Jake Fromm, who's obviously both a big part of this program's history, but also someone who still enjoys following everything going on with UGA here right now. And frankly, I think he's a terrific analyst there as well. His point of view on Georgia football kind of always proves to be uh, really valuable. So this has become a really fun conversation for us. So here on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, we'll get ready to uh, to have that conversation here in a moment. I was trying to tap dance long enough to uh, to make sure we had him uh, rocking and rolling and ready to go. But uh, we'll get Jake Fromm coming up in just a moment. While I'm waiting, I'll, I'll give you some of the details on this from The Athletic on the Jaden Rashada thing. So the Rashada NIL deal, according to reporting from The Athletic, called for a $500,000 upfront payment. After that, payments would increase from $250,000 a month as a freshman to $291,000 basically as a sophomore to $375,000 as a junior uh, and then uh, $195,000 monthly payments as a senior. All those payments I just mentioned were monthly payments, monthly payments along the way uh, to what could be over $13 million as long as a Rashada maintained residence in Gainesville, Florida, at least one branded Twitter and Instagram post per month, up to eight fan engagement events per year, uh, and autograph up to 15 pieces of merchandise uh, per year. So a lot going on with Rashad on that. We'll talk more about that uh, later on. For now, I believe we have uh, Jake Fromm ready to go. So here's part of our Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily. We'll say hello to a Jake here right now. Jake, thanks for your time. Thanks for being with us. Hope you're doing well here today. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me today. Look forward to it. So I want to ask you about this. This is obviously predating your time there at Georgia, but my guess is you've certainly had plenty of chance to see him play at a lot of levels. Uh, A.J. Green announcing his retirement from the NFL. How good of a receiver was this as a quarterback? I know you must have an opinion on that. And uh, how impressed were you both at UGA and with the Bengals and Cardinals, the career that A.J. Green was able to put together? Yeah, so I grew up watching A.J. Green uh, just fall out and play football. I remember Matthew Stafford played with him. Uh, and man, just just being a kid and watching those guys play on Saturday, it was just fun to watch. You never knew what kind of play they were going to make, what kind of incredible catch he was going to make. Uh, I remember being a kid and my uncle showing me a video of AJ Green in high school and him catching a one-handed catch. Yeah. You know, doing like a backflip, just an incredible catch. Like even in high school. So, man, this is a guy I'm a huge fan of. I grew up watching him play, um, and then to to go on about his NFL career, just astounding. Um, just a Mr. Consistent, um, always balling out, always making incredible catches. And 
uh, a great guy as well. So um, I, I can't say enough about him. And, uh, man, just to, honestly, it's just really cool because I grew up watching this guy play. Um, and be able to play in the league with him, too, is, is really cool and really awesome for me. Speaking of wide receivers, we were talking about this a moment ago. What Georgia brings back this season, you know, three of its top five pass catchers from a year ago, Ladd and Brock and obviously Marcus Rosemey Jacks ain't there as well, who I think had a pretty good year. Two pretty big names coming out of the transfer portal as well, which we believe are going to probably be here there, too, that this is a level of experience and production, some of that coming at Georgia in the case of the other two guys coming other places in the SEC it seems like it would be a really valuable commodity for whoever emerges as Georgia's starting quarterback to have so much returning production there at that receiver position. How much do you think that's going to help the Georgia offense thrive this year, but also specifically for whoever emerges as the starter, knowing you've got those dependable, proven options there at the wide receiver position, how valuable is that going to be for UGA? Look, straight up, I mean, I think this room is underrated, uh, undervalued and underappreciated. I mean, these guys are tall, they're long, have great ball skills, they're fast. I mean, these guys are all NFL caliber uh, wide receivers. I mean, these guys can do it all. You can put them inside, put them outside. Um, I mean, these guys are playmakers. And to be able to have that experience coming back, uh, especially for a quarterback who hasn't had snaps, no matter who it's going to be, really hasn't had that many snaps relative um, to what, you know, would be desired or wanted or um, anyway. But, but, but these receivers, man, I, I think these are some really good guys. They're underappreciated. Uh, and I think it's a really, really good room, uh, and especially with the guys coming back. Uh, and even the guys in the transfer portal as well. I mean, these guys are who, who, um, who had a lot of production at where they were at, wanted to play for a better football team and a better football program coming into um, to, uh, under Kirby Smart. Uh, and, man, they're, they're wanting to put up big numbers and have production here. So uh, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty exciting to watch. And, unfortunately, you probably know the flip side of this, too, because, you know, your last year, Georgia – you know, you have some good receivers, but Lawrence Cager is hurt. You know, George Pickens is still kind of learning the position. Dominic Blaylock kind of in the same way where, you know, you just didn't have nearly the same level of, you know, you know maybe experience the receiver spot that this Georgia quarterback's going to have this year. And I know, you know, being a quarterback, that can present a challenge for you, right? Yeah. I mean, for the, the ability for whoever's going to play quarterback this year to have the kind of caliber guys that are on the team now on the roster – and have the depth there, too, uh, is just going to be a, a huge step and a huge advantage um, for whoever is, is out there spinning it because uh, I, it, it helps being able to have that kind of depth going on to the season. The SEC schedule is tough. Uh, it takes a toll on, on guys' bodies. And be able to have fresh guys, man, just say, hey, some guy just, just ran a go ball, um, and it's an important third down. Well, man, the guy stepping off from the sideline who just you know who's fresh, can go in there and make the same play, same play that the uh, uh, the other guy just did. So I mean, there's there's so many things you can do with so many different receivers, and uh, it's going to help the quarterback and, and help Coach Munkin as well. We talked last week about the Todd Munkin situation, and since then, I would say it's gotten more complicated. You know, last week we were talking about Tampa, now it's a second interview with the Baltimore Ravens, and this thing just kind of goes on in sort of an unresolved fashion here. A lot of folks kind of wonder, what does this mean for Georgia while there isn't any resolution to this? Do you think this is one of those things where, on the one hand, it's just sort of okay, you're still several weeks ahead of the start of spring practice, who really cares? Or on the other hand, does this thing need to get cleaned up one way or another? If Munkin's leaving, then he needs to leave and you know allow Georgia the chance to kind of do what it needs to do, uh, you know, as response to all of that. You know, what do you think about the fact that uh, as of now we don't really know what's going to happen with Georgia's offensive coordinator spot? 
look, I, I think this is kind of a big deal. Maybe I'm, I'm speaking from a quarterback perspective, but uh, whoever's offense we're running, like, I want to know, uh, and I want to get that playbook as fast as I can and being able to learn as much as I can before spring practice because I need those reps. I need to go ahead and take as many mental reps as I can, get good with the verbiage, get good with the language, uh, and be able to have my own side practices with these guys uh, to get done what needs to get done before we ever step on the grass and have a spring practice. So I think this is kind of a big deal, and, and hopefully it doesn't linger on too long. Uh, obviously, I would love to see Coach Munkin stay here at Georgia because I think who he is and what he's done and what he's going to continue to do here um, is, is super beneficial for the program uh, and Coach Smart and whoever's going to be playing quarterback. Speaking of a big deal, something else that's a big deal is Valentine's Day. It's coming up here really soon. Our friends at Kroger got you covered on all of that. Gift cards, greeting cards, candy, uh, special baked items. You're going to make a special meal, something like that. All that you need to make this Valentine's Day special, you can get it right there with our friends at Kroger. Kroger.com slash Valentine's for more on that. Kroger.com slash Valentine's. You can even find out about some big savings they have ongoing at your local Kroger. So get stocked up for everything you need for Valentine's Day right now with our friends at Kroger. Jake, we'll finish with this. One of the things I don't think you and I have talked about is what's been going on with Stetson Bennett as of late. You know, you saw the incident in uh, Texas of the day, you know, got, I guess, arrested for uh, what might be having a little too fun, too much fun on a Saturday night. And for some Georgia fans, they're saying, well, you know, listen, he just won a national championship, let him have a good time, whatever else. But some people have kind of weighed in, like draft-type people, whatever, saying that this might hurt the way that he's perceived by NFL franchises ahead of the uh, NFL draft. What do you think about what's been going on with Stetson as of late? Is it the kind of thing that would make you concerned? Is it no big deal at all? Is this just a young guy being a young guy? What do you kind of, I guess, kind of fall in line with what's been going on with Stetson as of late? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a tough one for me because Stet is, uh, you know, one of my close friends too. So it's, it is kind of tough. It's a little bit of all of the above. I mean, it's not a great look uh, for him going into the draft process. Um, I mean, this is a time – uh, where teams and personnel, I mean, they overlook and overanalyze everything. So don't don't give them anything more than they need, especially in a in a matter and a subject kind of like that. Um, so it, it's not great. Uh, I, I hate it for him. Um, but you know, I mean, he he has also done something that that nobody else has done. But uh, I, I think um, I, I would love to see him maybe handle things a, a little bit different um, and you know be. Be a little bit better than than uh, than kind of that, I guess I would say. But uh, I hate it for him, and uh, this is a really important time in, in his life and going through this draft process. So I uh, would love to see him kind of basically ace this thing and and, and go after it hard and um, and just kind of see where he ends up. Jake, we always appreciate your time. Uh, your thoughts on Georgia football always so valuable for us. Thanks for spending time with us. I guess one more quick thing: you got to pick on the Super Bowl. Uh, I know one of your division rivals, Philadelphia, is in the game there. You obviously being a part of this Washington franchise. Uh, how do you feel about Philly and Kansas City coming up? Yeah, I mean these are two really good ball ball teams. I think it really all comes down to how healthy is uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, and his ankle. So I, I think if he's healthy. Um, it, it's really going to be tough, man. When the Chiefs are hot, they're hot. But, uh, I mean, also this Eagles football team has just absolutely been dominant all season long. So uh, I, I think I, I'm kind of leaning towards the Eagles in this one. Uh, I think they're going to be tough. Um, and and Jalen's balling out and, and playing with a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence. So I think they're going to be tough to beat. Hey, uh, Jay, great stuff. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brandon. Good stuff there from Jake Fromm. And I will tell you this. I haven't heard anybody make a case for Kansas City yet. 
And I think a lot of that does come down to the Mahomes injury. I think in the AFC title game, Mahomes looked pretty banged up. And obviously that was enough to get it done against Cincinnati. Of course, Bengals fans say the officiating was a big part of that. Some some non-Bengals fans sort of thought the same thing there as well. But to me, visually, Mahomes just didn't look healthy. Now, you're another two weeks removed from that. Does that give him a chance to be healthier? Maybe it does. But my knee-jerk reaction is, okay, you got a narrow point spread. This is one of the more narrow point spreads we've seen in Super Bowl, recent Super Bowl history at least. Uh, you got a relatively narrow point spread. You get a Philadelphia team that has barely trailed all year, it seems like. Uh, a, a quarterback in Mahomes who's probably a little bit banged up. That may be all you need to know, well, Philly's the right side to be on here. But the fact that everybody seemingly seems to feel the same way is one of those things that feels a little bit tricky. I do believe we've also got news. McCole Hardman's not going to play in this game there as well. I know they're really banged up at receiver there as well. With Hardman not playing, all due respect to Malik Herring, I think it becomes a lot easier for the Georgia fan to kind of root for Philadelphia here. My guess is it's going to be kind of a one-way street with maybe Georgia fans picking the Eagles but also rooting for the Eagles because of the presence of N'Kobe and, and Jordan Davis there on that side. I may prove, prove to be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, probably the case. Georgia fans rooting for the Eagles. Eagles sort of thought to be the right side here on all this. I also know how much it would mean for the Oklahoma football community to see a former Sooner quarterback like Jalen Hurts get a Super Bowl win here. I know how big of a deal that'd be for them. So, you know, to our you know fellow Sooners who are out there, to see one of their own like Jalen Hurts get a chance to win a Super Bowl, I'm sure that'd be a, a huge deal to them there as well. So <laughs> we'll obviously yeah, be thinking about the Oklahoma fans there too as uh, one of their favorite sons. Uh, Jalen Hurts gets a chance to, uh, to, to really further the Oklahoma – legacy and I think become the first former Sooner quarterback to win a Super Bowl that'd be a big deal Jalen Hurd's obviously such a huge part of that Oklahoma community I, I know how big of a deal that would be and with that said we'll wrap up today's show uh, we'll get ready to do our golden shoe here and uh, one of our great great members of our dog nation uh, daily community is a guy named Ryan Walker and uh, Ryan who's won a couple of golden shoes recently has won another one now here's thing you to know about like sort of golden shoes and things like that Anytime you can combine two of my loves together, uh, you've pretty much sort of got me here. So uh, we've obviously talked a lot lately about, you know, whining Ryan Day, or as some Georgia fans I think have started calling me, which is crying day, which I think is really funny. Um, you know, still complaining about what he thought should have been a targeting call on Javon Bullard, basically saying that Georgia just plays too rough. Well, uh, 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 Ryan Walker has responded to that, says, well, since they keep crying, let's give them something to cry about. Bullard off the top rope. And he says three Pete on deck. So you got the WWE ring here. Marvin Harrison Jr. on the ground. Javon Bullard, Randy Savage style with the elbow off the top. This is very well done. This is, you know, I don't typically like modern art, but this is uh, a wonderful, wonderful piece of artwork here. So uh, Ryan Walker, fantastic work. Great job. Well-earned golden shoe for you. And then lousy stinking Gators, uh, not able to afford Jaden Rashada. But the good news is, uh, George is going to give him a whooping for free coming up 263 days from right now. That is your Gatorator Countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time off the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here uh, via Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, comment section at dognation.com. Uh, at uh, Skin on Twitter says, I'm going to say this again and again, and when I uh, get done saying, I'll probably re reiterate it one more time. Uh, Joe Milton, he says, is not him. When uh, will you Tennessee fans wake up? So 
uh, skin here, not predicting a very successful season if Joe Milton is the Vols quarterback. Now, I'll say a couple things in response to this. I don't know how good I think Joe Milton is. The ability to throw the football a long way is not all that impressive to me because most throws in college football aren't long throws. So <laughs> the fact that you can throw it over the mountains does not mean much to me necessarily. On the flip side of that, though, is that I do believe that Josh Heupel has proven something as an offensive-minded head coach. And so let's say that Skin is right and Joe Milton's not that good of a quarterback. Well, he's still, if he's the starter, going to be playing in what I think is a good offensive system for Tennessee. I don't believe that Tennessee takes the next step as a program. I really don't. I don't think they go from, what were they, 11-2 and two this year? I don't think this is a one-loss team by any stretch in 2023. I don't. But do I believe that they can maintain the same level of offensive success they've had in 2021 and 2022 now? Yeah, I, I think I think they probably can. I think the Vols will probably be good offensively. So let's say our buddy Skin here is right and Milton isn't him. Well, maybe that means that the freshman quarterback that they've allegedly paid a lot of NIL bucks to, Nico Imaleva, maybe he kind of emerges in this situation here. But you know, if Vols fans think, boy, they were close last year and this year's the year they really break through, they're going to probably be disappointed. But if Georgia fans think that the only time you ever have to worry about Tennessee as the kind of potent offense that can at least be a threat to you was, you know, last season, I think that's probably not true either. I mean, I think that Tennessee on the road probably still ranks as Georgia's most interesting regular season game. And my guess is, is that the Vols as a team will probably look pretty similar in 2023 to what they looked like in 2022 very good offense probably not nearly enough defense probably not a great team not a true playoff contender but the kind of team that gives itself a chance to win games because it scores points yeah I guess that's probably the case uh Buster Grant weighs in on the subject of Todd Monken he says uh here's my two cents relationships need tending and opportunities explored but coach Monken uh taking a lot from these NFL teams on offensive evolution he says it's 40 chess and ignore the noise in other words, uh, Buster thinks there's much to do about nothing, and Munkin's not actually leaving. I don't know that I necessarily see it that way. Um, I mean, I don't know that I think that Munkin's leaving one way or another, but it certainly seems like something's sort of going on here. And I think, as I mentioned during the show, the longer this goes being unresolved, the more the door will be open to speculate about exactly what is going on here. So we'll see how that plays out, but it's an interesting point. Uh, Lee also waves in weighs in today on the Ravens poll that we mentioned yesterday. He says the poll was funny for the simple reason that 90% of fans don't want Monk. And he says it's the disconnect that exists between college football and the NFL. I'd venture to bet that 70% of Ravens fans couldn't name the Georgia coaches and very few rate college football over NFL coaches. Yeah, I think that Lee, in a lot of ways, is kind of right about that. You just have two very, very different fan bases. I'm talking about those who prefer NFL versus those who prefer college. And oftentimes we just don't live in the same orbit. I think that's probably true. And that's probably a pretty good place to leave it for right now. Uh, really, really good stuff. Thanks for being here. Uh, check out RS Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs, heating systems. When it gets cold, you want to stay warm. If you're worried that your furnace is not going to keep you warm, then get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs. With our friends at RS Andrews, find them online at rsandrews.com. We'll also see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.